0: Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to begin worshiping right away. We're going to enter in, and we're going to open up a way. Amen? Isn't that what it says in Isaiah 62, 10? It says, go through, go through, go through the gate, open up the way. And that's what happens when you actually begin to worship God in spirit and in truth. You begin to release an atmosphere that causes others to, To be able to go in or come in behind you so there's always people who are going to open the way those are the ones who who aren't beset by emotional encumbrances or fears and they have a quality of faith in their lives that as they begin to worship something begins to open up so father we want to thank you that you rule over heaven and earth oh god we bless you we bless your name Just begin to release your spirit. Just begin to draw near to him. He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill this place. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Holy Spirit, as we sing this, we ask that the truth, that we were bought with a price, would penetrate deeply into our hearts. I am not my own. Let's continue to sing that. I am not my own. You make me holy. Penetrate our hearts, Lord. I just feel as we continue to sing this, I almost felt a resistance to singing that because... It's all of a sudden we became aware of the fact that we can't sing it with the level of honesty and integrity that we know we should, and we hesitated. And I don't want you to spend any time feeling bad. I don't want you to spend any time over shame. I just want you to say, okay, God, I am willing. Come and get that part. Come and rule over that thing in my life that cannot sing with boldness and with joy, I am not my own, that does not happily resign itself to you and bow the knee. Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and rule over us. We declare once again we will have this man, Jesus, to rule over us. I will have this man, Jesus, to rule over my heart. I will have you rule over my heart. I am not my own. This morning in the pre-service prayer, it's, I mean, it's, it's very prophetic, the tone that the worship team is taking this morning because we haven't spoken about what I'm going to share later or, or even anything this morning. But I kept getting this picture And I wrote it down of a parent who's trying to train their child how to eat what's given them. And uh, if left to themselves, children would eat a continuous diet of pancakes and syrup and chocolate and ice cream. And so we have to train them to eat what's good for them. And one of the tactics most parents should take, if, if we haven't taken it, is is you eat what we give you. Now, you don't have to eat it all. But, you know, as kids are, they're quite happy to have chocolate even though they're for full, right? <laughs> so they're not really full. So you take that and you put it in the fridge you say, well, when you want it, it's here. And I think sometimes we want to skip certain foods that God wants to give us. He's bringing us the manna of heaven, and we want to pick and choose what we want to eat, and he's saying, "Listen, this is the bread of heaven that you need. This is the truth of my word that you need right now, and I need you to eat it. And you may not understand, and you might not be your 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 perfect pick, but you must eat it. And so I'm going to wait. It's there. It's sitting there in the fridge, and we Try to finagle every way we can to get some chips out of mom and dad or our heavenly father. You know we're going to try and skip that, and we're going to go to a conference here. We're going to move churches. Or we're going to do this or the other thing. But listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who either gives you to eat or doesn't give you to eat. And he's the one that's, if he's limiting your dietary plan and saying, listen, I'm not going to refresh you with anything that I don't want you to have right now. I want you to eat what I've given you to eat because that's what you need to eat. I am your maker, and this is your maker's diet. You need to eat what I've set aside for you, but I'll wait. I will wait. When you get hungry enough, you will eat the manna that I've set before you. And I'm saying today to God, I want to eat what you've given me to eat. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a lawless one who's just always looking to eat what satisfies me, what I think I want, what I think I deserve. I'm coming under authority today to say, Lord, you are the finisher of my faith. You are the author and you are the finisher. So God, huh, do in us what you need to do. And Lord, even if you have to wait longer, Lord, for some of us to eat that thing, that plate of food that you've prepared for us, Lord, you have all the time in the world, and we can't outweigh you. So we say, heart, come into line today. Heart, come into line today. Heart, come into line today. We come into line today. Soul, come into line today. Flesh, come into line today. Come in the line today.
1: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we all have verses, scriptures that we are favorites, right? Or am I the only one? And we have a tendency to gravitate to the ones that please us, similar to what Mark was sharing, like food. But we have these, these, or or services, or conferences, or whatever that that we gravitate to because they just please us. And we all have different flavors and different tastes in movies and music and different things, right? And uh, some of us are just eclectic and we like it all, you know. But a month ago, and as Mark was sharing this, this was actually going through my mind like this. About a month ago, I was driving uh, to Saskatchewan. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, as clear as a bell, tells me, he says, Kim, I want you to, uh, start, I want you to start reading the Bible. The whole Bible. And like I'm driving, okay? And it was like saying, Oh, really? Oh man, I haven't done that in like 30 years, you know, the whole thing. And I think, and then the Holy Spirit said, No, I mean right now. And I'm thinking, right now? It's like, oh Lord, how do I do that? And he says, it's called an app. So I literally had to pull over on the highway. Literally, it was like I was being arrested by this Holy Spirit. Pulled over on the highway, searching for a, an audio Bible app, and I downloaded it in 30 seconds. And I started now over the last month been listening to the Bible, and but I found myself very similar, gravitating to oh which one do I oh I want this one, this is uplifting. The love of God. Oh, this is so wonderful. First Corinthians 13. I like that one, you know. But all of a sudden, I started thinking, oh, no, I've got to start going through lamentations. And this morning, I just listened to the whole book of Jeremiah. And it was like, I find myself all of a sudden starting to groan within me these, like, who God really truly is. And we start to find, I started to find, God is a judge. He's a God who loves us, but everything he does is to draw us toward himself. And it's like the food that he presents to in front of us, he says, you've got to eat it. Because if you only eat this one portion, or if you only do what you want to do, he says, your diet is no good. And you will not know who I am. You will not be guided and directed and understand my precepts and my teachings and what I really want you to do. And I've been finding myself getting these groanings like this morning for the, word of, for the body of Christ. I found myself saying, God, am I like those Israelites that are going into exile because they've disobeyed you? Lord, am I, am, I, am I that bad as they are? Because God says, I have to judge them. But he has to judge them so he can bring them to where he wants them. And, he's doing, and and for 70 years, they, 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 they suffered in a place they weren't supposed to be, but it was so that he could draw them out to, a, to where they wanted to go to. And God has a place for us to go to. He has a better place. He says, I'm, and sometimes we will go through these ebbs and flows, but are we willing to go through it? Are we willing to be obedient to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, not my will, not my will. I remember 38, 39 years ago, I literally committed my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I said, I'm a bond servant. I'm no longer my own. I, do, I no longer own myself. So who am I to say to the living God, no, I don't want that. I want this. But we grow to a point where we are, where we are, It's not about us, and we have no right to ourselves.
0: God is a good God, and when He restricts our movements in order to narrow the path for us, to take us in the way He wants us, it's not because He wants, not because He's punitive, but because He knows the blessing that He wants to bring us into. You know, in Jeremiah... God says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, thoughts for good and not evil. And he goes on and says, "Uh, do you know what the context of all that is? The context is 70 years of captivity. He's saying, listen, listen, this captivity is about not bad, but it's about good. This restrictive state that you're in is not about bad, but it's about good. Because you have cried out to me. And I believe this is prophetic for us. You've cried out to me in your spirit for what I want, but you don't, you don't have the wherewithal in your, in your flesh to, to do that. So the Lord says, I am guiding you, and I am restricting you, and I'm going to fulfill my good purposes in you. So I'm, all my thoughts towards you are good. So we say, Lord, we trust you. We trust your processes. We trust the journey that you brought us in. And as we sing this song again, Lord, we articulate our faith once again to say you are a good God. And though we will not take everything that the enemy throws at us, Lord, we know, we know that you are over our lives. And the enemy can't take us anywhere where you don't want us to go. So we say in the name of Jesus, have your way. I am not my own. So, Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have sent. We thank you for the workmanship of your word producing the image of Christ inside of us. Lord, we say, complete your work. Whether we're kicking and screaming or happily coming along, we say, complete your work. My mom used to say that all the time. She she said, I used to pray. I just pray this all the time. Lord, spare not for my crying. Don't, you know, even if I'm whining and I'm belly aching, do what you need to do anyway. So, Father, produce in us what you want to produce. You are God. We are not. Amen. I want to read a scripture. Well, before I read it, let let me tell you. Uh, I was at a conference this week, great conference, heard Lance Wallnau speak. How many of you heard Lance Wallnau before? I, I love that guy, actually. Uh, I met him in uh, last year. Chris and I went to uh, this event in Toronto with a few other, uh, a group of about 100 leaders from across Canada, and met him, and he expressed some interest in coming to Edmonton, and so there's a process, and I, I, I didn't pursue it, but I really feel we we do. I believe there's a kingdom emphasis that he carries that um, is a now word for, uh, you know, the, the, the spokes of the kingdom of God to begin to come out of the people of faith, people of influence that we're meant to be. So it was a great event, and we were singing these songs, and it's not a criticism of, of the songs we were singing per se, but, but I started to notice as they were singing there, these, some of these songs I didn't know, but most of them, a good portion of them were all about us. You know uh, you know, we just say and that 's why it's so interesting we 're singing this song it 's not about me, you know uh and uh, i 'm coming back to the heart of worship and and sorry Lord, for the things i 've made it. you know, we tend to become man centric, and we that default setting in us is quite natural because we are man centric, and so you know what the kingdom of God is doing in us is changing. The sort of orbital center of your life so that it's your spirit and it's God at work in your spirit where he, where he his, his spirit and your spirit have become one so live out of that voice that speaks to you and that function that release of life that is him at work inside of us but you know what there's stages to this journey and God moves us increasingly to an orientation that is focused on him and less and less on us, and it doesn't stop. You know, I mean, I this year for me has it, it is actually a critical year. I feel like there's things that are coming into alignment for the first time in my life around the core of who I am as a as a you know in terms of when I talk about the core of who I am and talk about the things I struggle with most. Uh, there there are things I feel coming into alignment. After years and years of God, you know, applying pressure in different parts of my life. And um, I don't want to get too much into that, but there are things that are aligning now like never before. So, you know, there's no shame in that. There's no, oh, I'm better or I'm worse because I'm admitting that this is shifting or not shifting. Let's forget about that. We are all coming into higher levels of obedience and higher levels of responsiveness to the Spirit of God. But anyway, as we're singing these songs, I began to feel like, wow, something's about to happen. And I I saw this picture of a group of people, almost like a very significant bubble in the demographics of a community where, you know, sometimes if you look track high schools, graduations, you know, sometimes there's, in the demographics there's a bubble year where suddenly you get instead of 100 graduates from, in a high school, you know, we're talking smaller towns. You know, you get 300, right? It's like, wow, what happened, you know, 18 years ago or whatever? You know, something happened in the town and all of a sudden these kids are born. Well, well, you. I felt like there was a demographic of the body of Christ coming to a significant threshold. I felt like something was about to happen, and a key bubble group of people were about to cross an important threshold into a place of spiritual maturity that was going to cause a focus, particularly around worship. Uh, It's going to extend, it's going to touch everything in our lives but there's something about the way we worship that's going to shift into a higher gear of maturity. And the manifestation of that is that it's going to be by default more about Him and less about us. And so, you know, that's why I thought this, well, this song is so cool because we never talked about this. I haven't shared since, uh, since I began writing that word. So I began meditating upon that. I was asked in the Holy Spirit, well, how do I present this you know, as an article or a prophetic words of the body of Christ. And, um, and uh, I felt like as I began to think about it, God gave me a verse. I want you to turn to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews uh, chapter 6. And what I believe is about to happen is some of us are going to come into a new level of faith And it's expressed in this this verse, you're going to see it in a second, but it's in the aspect of what's called faith toward God. Now let me read the verse, Hebrews 6. You should be really familiar with this because this is sort of a, uh, when, when you talk about the journey that we're taking as individuals, as God is discipling us into his ways... He builds foundations, much like somebody builds a house. You start with the footings, you put on a basement, or, you know, th- those things become the, the, the parts on which all the rest of the house sits. So, this here, are the, these are the foundation truths on which the rest of the construct will find its place. And here's what it says. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. So the writer of Hebrews, whether you think that's Paul or, or some other figure, he's basically saying this. He's say, listen, there is a journey that takes us on to perfection, now, perfection is is completeness, wholeness. You know, when you're when you're when a house is completely fabricated and you've got everything on and it's landscaped, it's finished. It's complete. That's the idea of perfection in this. When God is looking at you, in in your journey, and he, when when you are increasingly lined up to what He's wanting you to be, He's trying to bring you into. Completeness. Now, I don't know how how many of us actually ever achieve that, and you know that's that's you know I don't have to answer that today. But it's interesting uh, the, the sort of the dynamics of the journey because it says, "Listen, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ." Now, what? So suddenly these things don't matter anymore. Is that what he's saying? We're leaving these things. No, we're leaving them. Uh, as an emphasis uh, in terms that there's something about them that have now become established in your life. And to them, I'm going to reference here right away, repentance from dead works, okay? Is that, is that how he says it? Repentance from dead works, all right? Not repentance from sin, repentance from dead works. That's a really important one. Because later on in Hebrews, he talks about how the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse your conscience from dead works. I'm not talking sinful works. Remember, we're trying to get out of the mindset of good and evil all the time. What we're trying to move into is an idea of dead and alive. Okay, dead and alive. Some words are living, other words are dead. You can even say the scriptural words. You can quote the Bible and it's dead because the letter of the law kills right and so uh two people could be doing the same thing one is ministering death the other one's ministering life so it's not about good and evil only okay Uh, in fact we need to leave that paradigm so we're trying to go to a place of life and death so god is trying to prune from you dead works now just as a side the word the greek word that's used there for dead works is the antonym of what's used in Hebrews 4.12 when it talks about the Word of God is, what, is it quick and living, quick and living, right? So the, the Word of God ignites. It causes things to, boom, to come alive. It generates a life dynamic. There is a spiritual life dynamic in the works that are born of God that cause it to overcome the world. So other things that may look like, you know, you can imitate right? The seven sons of Sceva come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, how'd that go over? Right? Not much kingdom in there. Not much kingdom life. So there was no authority. There was no manifestation of the king. So there was no fruit, uh, you know, like Paul had because saying the same words, you know, somewhat, <laughs> Jesus whom Paul preaches, you know, a little unconvincing. But, uh, but regardless, you know, they use the name of Jesus, But it was somewhat meaningless. And so God is trying to say, listen, I'm pruning your life from dead works. Anyway, so that is an elementary doctrine. That is something that God is doing in your life to get you on the path of being productive to increase the kingdom of God. And so, again, I don't want to talk too much about that, but all those things that are rooted in ambition, that are rooted in pride, you know, that are rooted in self-promotion, all of those things, jealousy, control, da-da-da-da, uh, God is rooting those things out. Why? Because they steal. They take away the bandwidth of your life, something that's reserved for to manifest Jesus, those things are occupying a space in your life, either in energy, attention, or faith, that uh, they ought not and do not deserve to occupy. But the other one here, the other foundation, it's so key. And of course, there's laying on of hands, the resurrection, with an eternal judgment, baptisms. Those are, you know, those those are things. But faith toward God. Let's talk about faith toward God here for a second, because what I felt when i when i was thinking about this is that the holy spirit showed me people coming into a new level of faith and what i saw was the reason why we orient around some of the songs that we do is because though on one level we are sincerely believing this and this to be true we don't believe it we're not really sure about it we, we are trying to believe. We've been told we ought to believe. We've been, we, we, act, we acknowledge and assent that these things are true. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, God is a good God. Yes, God's in charge of my life. God, yes, yes, yes. But every time we start to, you know, put our hands to the plow of life, there's this thing nipping at our heels. There's this thing that sort of, so, you know, causes us to not be sure. You know, and, and what happens, you got an accuser on your life all the time, accusing you, telling you you're no good, telling you God doesn't want to look at you, God's mad at you, you committed the impardonable sin, and you grieve the Holy Spirit, and da-da, da-da, da-da. Every natural ebb and flow of your spiritual life is being used by the enemy to dissuade you from the favor of God, to convince you that somehow you are not measuring up. Well, here, let me, let me fix that for you. You are not measuring up, okay? We don't measure up. Our faith is never going to be and ought never be in the fact that we are measuring up, okay? The reason you get God's favor is because you believe. The reason you get God's favor is because Jesus' blood becomes a substitute for yours, This is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is God is the one who imparts righteousness, and he does it through faith. Wow. I I feel like that needs to go a little bit deeper inside of us. Listen, as a young man, I remember being in Bible college and and struggling with, you know, certain temptations and sin and, you know, feeling... uh, uh, like like god's unhappy you know cuz i'm oriented as a no i got to be a pastor so i got to be super good right you know got to be super good and i somehow super good was not within my you know the range of my gifts <laughs> i was i was you know even struggling with just basic sin management right Lauren? you know church 101 sin management no 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 it's not that's not how god is working faith towards god is this is that when, when I am standing before God or coming before God or accessing God's favor, I'm doing so because Jesus is good, because Jesus is good. And what happens is my goodness or failure to be good overshadows faith or the absence of faith. Inasmuch as I don't really have faith or that confidence toward God that I can come in with boldness by the new and living way, by the blood of Jesus, and that I have every right to come in and that God is happy to see me. doesn't mean I can't repent and all the rest of that, but that, it's that shadow. It's that shadow that's on our lives. So what happens, we come into worship and we've got to sing six songs that convince us of how happy God is that we're here. And we're singing it as though we're informing him, right? You know, and again, the doctrine is, is fine. It's not the issue of the doctrine. It's not the issue of the right words or the wrong words. It's the issue of the heart of faith that we either have in that moment or don't have. And I begin to, I begin to sense this vacuum as we are singing some of these songs. And, uh, you know, that, that many of the people are, are trying to work up some confidence that the thing that the speaker is about to say can apply to them. And so the whole the whole ascension is is I think I'm good enough. I'm not sure. I think I'm good enough. Can I come an inch closer? And this tentative, you know, and you got this doubt biting at your heels all the time, saying you're this, you're that, but you're this and you're that, and you got this problem and that problem, and you know what? You know what? We do have those things, but that on on this level it doesn't matter. It matters in the. Larger construct of your life in terms of what God is doing, but in terms of accessing the presence of God right now, it does not matter. But what if it does in my heart? Like, what if it does? That's what doubt is. Doubt is not an absence of faith entirely, but faith in something else. I actually believe that my failure disqualifies me. And that's why i got to sing a bunch of songs to ignore the fact that this dog is biting at my heels. Well, listen, a whole bunch of people are about to cross into a new confidence. A whole bunch of people are actually going to have, for the first time in their life, this thing settled. No, I am a child of God. I am deserving of His favor. See, one of the things that you get as a pastor all the time is people look at your life and say, Well, you got faults. You know, how, can you be, how can you be talking like that? How can you be up there preaching to others and being so bold? Well, it's not because I'm perfect. It's because I have faith. It's because I have faith. It's because I know God's good intent towards me. Not because I think I'm something. It's because God, I feel the eyes of his love upon me and upon my life. I've actually gone through these hurdles of having that doubt nipping at my heels and having him come and look at me and grab my heart and say, I love you. And something shifted. This was actually back, I had a tremendous experience back at Christ for the Nations. This was early in my journey at my second year retreat when this happened it was it was it was such a watershed moment where this thing shifted up to that moment man i i struggled with shame i struggled with condemnation i struggled with you know wondering and you come to a worship service and you're having to repent for half an hour and then you know you're having to go through this process it's like i feel like esther you know trying to get myself smelling (laughs) purdy before i come before the king and 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 it didn't matter what I was told the week before. It doesn't matter what scriptures I knew to be true. God loves you. Yeah, I, I know. But this thing, it's got a grip on me. What is it? Doubt. 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 I, I'm not, I, I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe, but i I'm not sure I do. I can't, you know... It says, come forth, come, you know. He says, come boldly by the blood of Jesus. I come timidly, you know. Hope there's no bad spot on me because, you know, I don't want to die. I don't want to, you know, got together. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, I'll come in inconspicuously, you know. It's just, you know, boldness. That kind of boldness can only come from faith, you know, and if you think, you can get your ducks in a row enough that, that that's going to go away. Forget about it. Do you deal with, need to deal with some ducks in your life? For sure. But that's a whole other issue. And that has a bearing on destiny and other things. But in terms of what it takes to actually even deal with those ducks, this is the first thing that has to go. That's why he says it's the foundation. This is the foundation. He said we got to move on to fullness or completeness or perfection after having laid this foundation, but you can't begin to go there unless that foundation has been laid. And so, get ready because, and this is, Tim Sheets shared this this week. He said, he said doubt is about to become washed in, in, an, in an ocean of God's glory. Or what did he say? A, a, a weight, a fresh weight of God's glory. And I believe there's coming a manifestation of the glory of God that a people are going to carry and walk in, but a whole group of people are going to finally have this thing settled in them. And I want you to, even as I'm speaking, I want you to grab a hold of this. God, I want that shadow to be done with. I want that shame to be broken off of my life. I I want, and you think, well, I'm just waiting to deal with this sin thing. When this sin thing's gone, then the shame will be gone. No, it won't. The residue of shame never stops. It's like somebody doesn't want to forgive you anymore because, well, when you never do it again, I'll forgive you. Does that make sense? There's never a point where you never do it again. That's what shame does. That's what condemnation does. It's always there. And you being good enough, right enough, going to enough prayer meetings, praying long enough, abstaining from this and that and the other thing is not going to cause you to cross over that threshold. Faith. So, Father, bring forth a new faith, In us that will cause us to have confidence Lord to have boldness Lord in the name of Jesus we pray Holy Spirit that you would come and strike at that foundation of shame and condemnation and that ground that the accuser seems to have in our life we say in the name of Jesus break it off we want to be part of that graduating class God, we want to be a part of that people who know that our God, our Daddy loves us. Hallelujah. 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 Now, when that happens, a lot of things change. Because all of a sudden, that big run-up you used to need, you know, before you could even pray or anything on Sunday or act spiritual because you feel like a hypocrite, you know, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. The, you know, six songs, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of, of you know, I'm really sorry. And I'm, I mean, we're, oh, these, these words are, you know, hallelujah, I know who I am. No, you don't. All of that becomes unnecessary, and we can get right to the heart of worship. Right to the heart of worship, where it is all about Him. Where, where we are lauding him, where we exalting him, where we are praising him. You know, that's some of the tension sometimes when you're in a church like this. And, you know, I'm up here trying to move you into, hey, let's do this kingdom thing. Let's, let's move into exalting God. It's like, well, I got to change, right? You Everybody, somebody call you all of a sudden, say, hey, let's go out for breakfast. And your hair is not done and you're not dressed. You haven't brushed your teeth. And it's like, I, I got to get ready. You know, that when, when you cross that threshold of faith, you're always ready yes. because you've got short hair and you don't need to, even need to comb it, <laughs> spiritually speaking. We can participate in a God-centric worship that honors the heart of God where we're not always preoccupied with the, part, the kickback that comes to us. See, and you know, this is the tyranny of of being blessed by God. Unfortunately, the the result of being blessed by God that every time God releases anything back to us, it causes us to be self centric, and you know, sometimes you know, and that's the cost of God giving us things, and, and but you know, eventually we we come back to this orientation where no, it is about Him, it is about you, because if you're in a great worship service, man, the presence of God is being manifested, right? It's like. Whoa, can you feel this? This is so great. Well, as soon as you're focusing on how you feel, what are you focused on? You. You can you can't other, you can't be anything other than that. And so how much how much can we focus on him and this be about him? And so all of these things, shame, fear, condemnation, all of these things are are manifestation Uh, That this foundation of faith toward God is not in place as it should be. And so if we are going to go on to perfection, if we are going to go on to fulfill our destiny, we have to be able to leave these things behind. And you know what? I understand this. I understand that we're in a one-room classroom right? That means we've got all the ranges. We've got, you know, we can have newborn babies. We can have people here that are saved for 40 years and are still, you know, newborn babies. So we could could have teenagers spiritually. We could have all of the ranges of things within the same room. And so this may not universally apply to everyone in the same way. Because you may not be able to have that. But even as I'm speaking, though, you may begin to realize, oh, this is what God is doing in me right now. How can I accelerate this process of making it about him and not about me, you know, spending 20 minutes repenting before I can actually, you know, feel worthy to gaze in his general direction. So there comes a point where these things are a part of us. And the beauty of that is we don't, we're not trying to believe them anymore. We just do. It's just a matter of fact. You know them, you believe them, and they can't be shaken from you by virtue of some momentary, you know, uh, flaw or, you know, somebody saying, you're not that great. Which is a pastor I get all the time. Fortunately, I already know I'm not that great because my wife tells me. <laughs> so doubts are extinguished wow wouldn't it be great to get a place where just uh, doubts just don't even you are the iron dome of faith impervious to doubts impervious to that that thing that causes you to focus on you uh, so Lord we just want to say right now for those of us that are ready to cross over may our prayer life May our service to you and may our worship find a new orientation, find a new uh, reference point in you that's holy in you without needing to prove anything. Lord, may we have that peace and that rest that comes with that in Jesus' name. So, there's this this moving on on the basis of the new foundation, but I want to talk about now... What's involved in some of that moving on? How does the Lord then begin to train you and prepare you and, and and increase you from that time forward? Now, I wish that this was all, you know, super, super cut and dry. Wouldn't that be nice to be super cut and dry? The truth is it becomes increasingly cut and dry as clarity comes to you. You know, it's amazing, the things I used to be confused about, and now it's like, duh, right? You know, it's like things that uh, I I used to be not sure about. Suddenly, it's it's just it's so obvious what's true. And so, in the beginning, when the Holy Spirit is teaching, and the Holy Spirit is doing some of this in our lives, because whether it's the product of establishing this foundation of faith in you, or moving you on towards destiny, he sometimes has to play a game of hot and cold with us. You know what that means? It means, you know, when somebody hides something. Remember the kid's game? Somebody hides something and said, okay, start looking. Hotter, hotter, hotter. Colder, colder, colder. Freezing. You know. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean because, because there's an element of where, where we can't walk by sight right we can 't walk by the things we know that God is actually trying to in, in introduce us to a whole other realm, and so the imagery of the cold and hot is is the other realm it 's the other dimension, so we can feel like okay, you know when I come this way, I feel this happening, and when I come this way, I feel this happening, and there 's a lot of that going on in your lives right now where God is leading you. You know, he's just saying, listen, have you noticed that when you live your life this way, you have more peace? You know, have you noticed? And that's what, he's, that's what he's trying to teach us. Say, listen, this is what alignment to me looks like. When you function this way, things start to get better. And when you function this way, things start to get worse. So choose this day how you want to go. So let me just reestablish, re. re enforce the foundational stone here faith toward god faith toward god faith toward god god is about to move many of us into a foundation of faith toward god now why it's important for us especially as a church is we don't want to grow a church based on gimmicks we want to grow a church based on mature function you know it's it's a uh, the church is meant to edify itself in love by what every joint supplies, okay? That's, that's, what, sh- that's what should hold the church together and cause it for, to build itself up in love. That's Ephesians chapter three. And so what we're trying to do is get people actually operating in kingdom faith and kingdom love so we start to begin to be able to serve one another and our community because we have become healthy, now, when you're a Christian, you're struggling with shame and guilt all the time. And, you know, you, it starts out you don't even want to come to church because you've got to go through that whole cleansing process. You know, it takes so long, and it's, you know, looking in the mirror, and it's, it's hard, and it's, you know, wow, what if, what if you didn't have to do that anymore and you could just be in the presence of God? Wow, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, just the confidence to know that God likes me. I just want to put that out there. Do you have the confidence? Do you do you, are you at rest right now in the belief that God likes you? Now, we could go a lot of directions with that. But God likes people of faith. Oh, well, you know he's a holy God. He he wants me to be holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next. <laughs> Holiness comes after faith. Hello? It's not holiness that pleases God. Holiness allows, gives you access, according to Hebrews, you know, 12, 11 and 12 there, to to aspects of who God is, true. But what pleases God is faith. Faith pleases God. And when you begin to believe God and take him on his word and actually have confidence in him, that makes you attractive to him, makes him want to be with you. Because that's the world that God lives in. It's like, you know, if you want to be near the fish, you got to be able to go underwater. Well, in God's world, he's, because he's spirit, right? Those who worship God must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. That requires faith. It requires a whole realm of activity. And so faith has to be established in you. Faith is the foundation for you to have that deeper interaction with God. Faith pleases god let me let me break this off because I still feel this thing this this clamor in our souls around moral perfection and i'm never I will never be one to say that moral issues are not important because sin issues are important because they will erode whatever if if unchecked, uh sin will erode the faith that you do have okay it 's caustic to faith in your soul and so uh but at the same time. Faith is the means to get moral purity. Not, pure, not moral purity, the means to get faith. Faith is the means to get moral purity, right? That's why things like getting in His Word. Well, I feel so guilty I can't get into His Word. It's another tactic of the enemy. How dare you read the Word of God? Well, what did, what did David say? How shall a young man cleanse his way? By heeding to your Word, taking heed putting that word in me because it does something. It produces faith. And faith it then produces all the other behaviors that can cause us to complete, begin to please God on, in other more sophisticated ways. But faith. Let's remind ourselves of what we were doing. A threshold of faith. Faith pleases God. See, faith pleases God. If you... If you see anybody that seems to please God, has God's favor on their life, it's it's not because you, and you, sometimes you see imperfection in their life, you think they're a hypocrite. No, no, no. Faith, faith unlocks God's favor. Faith unlocks God's favor, not their perfection. Perfection comes after the foundation of faith. Faith, faith, faith. So don't wait till you're perfect before you start operating in faith and walking in faith. And, acting out your faith because it'll never come. So, Father, we pray and release our faith to you that says you are a good God and the manna you bring us is good manna. And you are the author and finisher of our faith, so we trust you today. Holy Spirit, stay upon us today, upon this congregation, and finish the work that you have begun, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.